Do you drop that every once in a while saying, hey, well, you know, we've. So we I didn't. was at Gary Con a couple years ago and I was playing Castles and Crusades and the guy was telling me, uh, like, I was talking to a guy beside me and he talked about he had Dungeon Crawl Classics, mm-hmm. but he couldn't find anyone to play with. And I asked him if he'd ever played Mutant Crawl Classics. And he was like, no, you know, I can't find anyone to play Dungeon Crawl Classics. And I was like, we, uh, we did a lot of, the, I'm from Cincinnati, and I said, we did a lot of the playtesting in Cincinnati, like all the beginning playtesting. Uh, and he looked at me and he said, are you a mutant murderer hobo? <laughs> Welcome to the first, uh, uh, second episode of Tales of the Middle Age Gamer podcast, uh, the first interview episode. Uh, I still have plans to do a uh, another solo uh, podcast here coming up very soon. Ran out of time to do it before today, but that is a story for another day. My name is Keith, um, and today, for the interview portion of it, I am here with Todd. Hello. Uh, the venerable and, and long-lived... Uh, wise man of the of, of gaming, uh, <laughs> I I, I kind of agonize a lot over you know I've got a lot of people around me who are are, are great gamers and and uh, people that I have grown up with and and people that I have played a lot with over the years and uh, so I agonize quite a bit over who to involve in the first podcast and I, I I'm 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 not going to lie to you. Your, your access to technology did sway my decision a little bit so I could learn <laughs> a little bit more about how this stuff works. Uh, Todd is the uh, host, co-host of co-host. D50 Shades of, of D&D. D&D, yeah. Um, so I, 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 uh, the minute I found out that he did was doing a podcast, I said, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to use, use and abuse him for his knowledge and, and the owner of the illustrious uh, gateway games recording studio <laughs> which uh, again <laughs> is very distracting uh, i am surrounded by uh old and new books with i i i, I might drift off every once in a while looking at, at, at the, there there actually is a copy of dark tower here i don't know if he's selling it but it is here he's probably not going to sell it. he's gonna be mean so not to me it's out of my price range so <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> but um anyways uh, so, what I wanted to talk about today, uh, the the main theme that I wanted to have for these interview episodes is um, uh, sitting down with somebody and talking to them about how they got into the hobby and wh- and why they are in the hobby and, and sort of the values that they see attached to it. Uh, and the other reason why I wanted to get Todd involved in the first episode was because he has a... a, a an interesting perspective on it. And he's, he's been involved in starting a lot of groups around the, the area, uh, as well as starting his own store, which has, um, uh, been a, uh, a haven for a lot of gamers. Um, uh, so uh, Todd, tell me a little bit, about, uh, we'll start out, let, let's let you kind of plug the store a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the, the, the store as well as the fabulous gateway games recording studio. Yeah, ga- gateway games and more in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I opened in 2011, uh, we predominantly feature role-playing games and, and uh, to a certain extent, board games and uh, hero clicks and, and a few other miniatures kind of games. But contrary to a lot of the stores in the area, we don't do magic tournaments. We don't do Warhammer. Not that I have anything against those things. It's just I, I saw this as a niche area mm-hmm. to land in between what some of the local stores were already doing. Because there were other stores in the area that had those things, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not. Do you do you sell that material here, or do you tend to avoid? Uh, so I don't carry Games Workshop stuff, but I do carry like booster packs of Magic, mm-hmm. and uh, but I don't deal in singles at all. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and as part of that, you know, how you got here to this store, I think is is I I've had a sort of um, I, maybe backseat side seat view of how you got here, and I, I it's an interesting story to me. So that was a little bit of what I wanted to explore today. But um, uh, but to start out with, I want to go way back. You know, you, little, little Todd. Uh, before you were born. Before I was, well, yeah, that's, uh, uh, you, you know, you, you, you got drawn into this hobby, you know, you walked into a store, you saw your book for the first time or a friend of yours introduced it. How did you get into the hobby? Where did you start? 
So uh, let me let me back up a little before that. So as as a kid, starting at five and six years old, I was a Marvel Comics fanatic, uh, and I was really drawn to uh, Conan and well, I, I love the superheroes too. But on top of that, like Conan uh, was a big thing. And the Tales of Asgard in the back of Thor comics. Uh, I, I really like that stuff. I, I was a big fan of mythology mm-hmm. and monster movies, uh, Sinbad movies. Uh, and and the, I didn't... What was the, 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 the tiger? Uh, Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, and Jason and the Argonauts, mm-hmm. the Ray Harryhausen kind of stuff. So I grew up on a lot of that stuff, not realizing uh, that there was a whole world of, like, fantasy novels and such out there. Uh, I hadn't really tapped into that yet. And then... I think it was 77 or 78, mm-hmm. the Rankin and Bass Hobbit cartoon uh-huh, uh-huh. was on. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, why isn't there more stuff in the world like this? <laughs> I was completely blown away by it. Uh, I don't know if I knew it existed as a book before mm-hmm. that, but I was completely enthralled with uh, fantasy adventure. Okay. And so then skip up to... 79 and 80, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons started popping up in the news a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily positive articles. But that drew you in further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it's like I would hear about it, and I was like, I, I knew it was a game that dealt with fantasy adventure. And so I had just never seen it anywhere. Mm-hmm. But in 1981, uh, the re-release of their their basic set, the the Moldvay box set, mm-hmm. the if you one, really right? want the D and D grognard speak, <laughs> the Moldvay box set predates the Menser Red box, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but after the Holmes box set. Uh, <laughs> so I saw that at the paperback booksmith in the Richmond Square Mall in Richmond, Indiana. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's what I want. That's what I want for <laughs> now, my had birthday. Now, had you heard about it from any of your friends? Had they None of my it? friends. I had never talked to anyone that had played D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just vaguely heard rumblings of it, mm-hmm. like in the news or someone probably that didn't know anything about it, mentioning it to someone else who didn't know anything about it, mostly mm-hmm. complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, I'm all about this. <laughs> so on my birthday that year, I opened up the D&D basic box set. Uh, I, I, I think I cover this maybe in episode zero of the D50 Shades of D&D podcast. I, I wasn't listening, but I know. No, yeah, <laughs> me either. So I read it cover to cover. I recu- recruited my uncle Scotty. We played it mm-hmm. uh, until like two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I had a blast. We got up the next day and played it for about another six or seven hours, and it was like, <laughs> I am all about this game. And this was the first time he had played it as well. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was completely sucked in. I, my cousin, I was like. Dude, next time you come over, we're going to be playing D&D. Okay, that's cool. Uh, and then from then on out, I didn't know anyone that played D&D. So automatically, I was the guy that was recruiting everyone to play D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people that you would probably never have thought of as D&D players, uh, I, I would talk them into coming over and playing D&D. Not that I had, like, a huge circle of friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, the four guys that I knew, <laughs> I was able eventually to talk a couple of them into coming over and playing. And What kind of reception did they have? Having not played it, what kind of reception did they everybody have? Everybody loved I mean, it. Before well, they played it? or just, I, I'm, like They had never heard of it. I, I had to explain the concept mm-hmm. of a role-playing game, and they came over... And with the exception of one of my three friends mm-hmm. <laughs> or four friends, uh, uh, they absolutely loved it and mm-hmm. wanted to come back and play again. Now, two of them probably didn't love it enough to ever buy a book. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but they would always come over and play. Uh, the other friend that enjoyed it actually uh, has now has editing credits in some RPG books wow. of uh, one of my favorite publishers. Which, which would be? Uh, Troll Lord. Troll, oh, Troll Lord. Okay. Ca- Castles and Crusades yeah. stuff. Yes, uh, uh, Todd is is a uh, a champion for the. Uh, he's a crusader for the castles and crusades. You, That's you, right. You've run it quite a bit, and, I, and that was actually. Um, well, I'll come. I'll circle back around to that in the in the epic part of your saga where you meet me. So we'll, oh, we'll talk okay. about that later on. You know, okay. <laughs> the so, pivotal moment in it, your saga. You know. And then uh, a few years later, uh, I actually in study hall, there was a kid reading. A deities and demigods book in study hall. In school? In school. Wow. So I went over and started <laughs> talking to him, and I found out, you know, I had a little group that played. Mm-hmm. He had a little group that played, and that was the, the beginning of merging groups of players. Okay. So Okay. And, and, but you hadn't met this kid prior to that, or you hadn't never. associated with I'd him? Never. T- so, but I was excited enough that, me, who never approached and just randomly talked to anybody, <laughs> went over and talked to him mm-hmm. just because he had the book. That's uh, considering the environment at the time. That, that that's that's bold, specifically that book too, the deities and demigods yeah. book. That's uh, that's bold reading that in in school. So uh, so you have the 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 this co- what, what grade did you say this was about? Uh, that would. Uh, that would we would have been sophomores by then, I think. In high school, okay, okay. So, so you, so here you are with this group of people. You, you, did you tend to game master or I'm sorry, dungeon master? Sorry, I'm getting outside of my. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would go over and dungeon mastered some games for them. Uh, played in some of their games. We weren't very consistent at anything. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think any of us had cars yet. So it was like, Mom, can we go over here and do this? <laughs> so every now and then we'd all get together and play. E- even my, my home group. So, so I would have a regular ongoing campaign mm-hmm. when my cousin came over mm-hmm. and then whatever friends I could get to join in. But other than that, it was just random, mostly one-shots, you know. Modules or home, homebrew? Uh, both, both. Both? Yeah. Uh, th- that's... I think that's one of the, you know, if you, if you do these rapid fire questions, I think it's one of the more interesting ones is, is whether you prefer uh, modules or, or, or homebrew. I, I, I always had a lot of difficulty with modules, not because I felt, oh, I was just so much more creative than all mm-hmm. these. No, I had bad memory. I, I would read through these modules and I couldn't, you know, flipping through the book, I couldn't do it. I, I, had, it, I had to go off the book just to be able to maintain my sanity. I do that all the so, time. Yeah. But um, I don't know if I maintain my sanity. Well, it, or or the sanity of others. I, <laughs> um, although I ha- I have uh, played a couple of modules that you have run before, and I in in my experience you did quite well in maintaining them. But you know, part of the art of being a dungeon master is making people think that you're doing a good job when you right. really just kind of you have no idea what the heck is going on. That's right. Um, so where did it go from there? You know, you, you, uh, well, let me, let me back up. Let me ask, uh, so do you recall any, uh, significant, uh, characters that you had played or, or modules that sort of stand out in your mind around that time period? Well, I always, 90% of the time I was the dungeon master. I got to be a player for a while in the Temple of Elemental Evil. Ooh, how'd that go? Uh, the, we had a huge group that kind of fell apart after a couple sessions, so I don't literally know we, or in the terms of the you know the characters fell apart or they? no, just uh, <laughs> we we quit being able to get together. Gotcha. Uh, so I don't know if we ever got out of the village of Hamlet. I can't I, remember. I have never ever run ninety percent of the old D and D modules. Well, probably more than that, but a higher percentage. I've never participated in, so I've never actually done Temple of Elemental. Right. So one of these days where I actually get blocks of time that is. Large. I should have somebody run that, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, that most of the old modules that I had done were the um, uh, f- based on the the, the red box ro- rules that my brother had run. So, like um, keep on the borderlands. Not even. I don't even remember that one. It was like uh, uh, 
now see I'm going to draw a complete blank on all of them that I, uh, Night's Dark Terror I think was one of them oh yeah um yeah. Thunderdale Mountain. I really love that one. Yeah. Uh, it was a solo adventure, but my brother ran it for me. Right. So I was actually able to run whatever character I wanted inside. Because I think it was you had to play a dwarf or something in the in the context of the of the rules. Right. But I think I ran my own character, and then um, uh, I uh, I love Dread. I think I went. I did that yeah. one uh, uh, as a player, not a few others than that. But anyways, um, do you recall at all, uh, how, how do you feel like you did with that temple of a temple of elemental evil? It was, was that what a, you ran that one or no, you said no, you participated I, I was just in that a player. one. Yeah. Anyway, I, I only remember a couple sessions mm-hmm. and it kind of fell apart, but I, I was mostly, mostly me inviting people over inconsistently for mm-hmm. one shots. A lot of times I'd get up on a Saturday morning, I'd make some phone calls, say, do you want to play D and D? Sure. I'd say, be over here at noon. Uh, and after three or four phone calls, I'd be like, okay, I guess I better have an adventure. <laughs> so I would sit down and I would start drawing a dungeon. Mm-hmm. I would start, but you know, in the days when I had all the major stats memorized, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could make a dungeon adventure on a piece of graph paper without cracking the books mm-hmm. and then just kind of wing it as the, the people get there and you go along. Uh, so it was a lot of that. And, and I was able to, cons- I won't say... I was able to consistently, inconsistently play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> for another 20 years after that. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, I had long running second edition campaigns mm-hmm, and third mm-hmm. edition campaigns. Uh, each one of them lasting about seven years. Was that every week for seven years? No. Was that mm-hmm, even every mm-hmm. month for seven years? Not necessarily. It might be twice in one month. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. skip three months, you play again. But when we'd get together, we'd play like 14-hour sessions. Uh, oh, I miss those. And so we would just get together, and we just cram together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I consistently bought the products mm-hmm. and read the products and, and, and loved it. And always, like when I wanted to play, I could always get, you know, those three or four good friends to come over and play. So I never felt like I ever had to play with anyone just because I needed a warm body at the table. So I, it's like I could get people together to play D&D mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, duty called. One thing that I, I've noticed is, is sort of a, I don't know if you want to call it a dichotomy or a, a sort of a dual uh, narrative that you, you talk to a lot of grognards and, and they will say one of two things, either one, you know, you have that 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 dungeon crawl faction of, of of old school gamers who remember just you know a very light on plot. You went in and you cleared out a dungeon room by room, got the treasure, did whatever. Uh, there might have been a light plot there, but there was something at the end. You were you know the the, the townspeople told you of something that was right. in the, in that dungeon that you eventually would face off against or solve or what have you. But the 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 plot was very topical. It was very um, it was a very plot-driven narrative. There was no character development at all, um, but it was fun to play. But then you have the other the other side of that camp that they remember, it was all about the story. It was all about the the, the characters involved. And, and you know, the, people think that, you hear a lot of people say all the time that there's a right way and a wrong way to play that. The old R-O-L-L conversation compared to the R-O-L-E style of play. And... Uh, it, what do you remember the most as far as that style of play? Not not what you prefer necessarily, but what do you remember the most? So the thing that I find amusing is uh, if you're talking to the two people that seem to remember different styles of playing, they might have been in the same campaign. <laughs> I, fair enough, yeah. So uh, even though there was constant combat, always combat, the thing that really draws me to D&D is the characters, the characterization. Mm -hmm. So people would bring their characters to life, Mm -hmm. even if it was just them wanting to be silly about things. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily... To me, D&D, it's it's all of that. Mm -hmm. It is about crawling through dungeons and killing giant rats but it's also about the banter and the bickering back and forth between the <laughs> players. Uh, 
just like uh, the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. the banter back and forth between the hobbits uh, is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, that in a lot of ways is the best part about the gaming. And sometimes it was just the friendships built around the table. But then the the, the, the characters going back and forth and, and the, the banter and the bickering and the laughing, mm-hmm. really, to me, that is the magic that Dungeons & Dragons brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you remember the story. Sometimes you remember the action. Mm-hmm. But you always remember the people you played the game with. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've come back to this a few times in my brain of, you know, thinking back to, uh, I, I, there's not a single character in my history that I had played that I can remember what their strength score was or what their, how much damage they did with a long sword or, right. you know, what the, uh, whether or not I got a critical role on this or that, you know, maybe some of those stand out, but uh, I remember I might have had a focus in a character or a, I wanted this guy to be very good with a sword or I wanted this, because of course I saw the movie Willow, I wanted to make Mad Mardigan, you know, so right. I, I had a character that I made, I poured everything I could into sword play. Uh, I remember things like that, but but the stats rarely play into that. You know, I remember the the time that our characters were backed up against a wall and, and won a fight against many more, you know, we were outnumbered, outgunned and everything, but we still won the fight against people in a, in a a feudal Japan game that we had played things like that. You remember, but the, the, the stats and things like that, you just, I don't, I don't, I don't remember those things. Right. Um, but do you think that that, that enjoyment of it is consistent? Do you feel like, uh, did you steer away from systems that, that, that were more, more tactically minded or did you stick with the games that were more open? I don't think I steered away from anything. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in my podcast, you know, we we dubbed the term polygamerous. Yes. And and I I think that is very appropriate. And it's, so if you look, you know, I have some personal stacks of stuff off to the side as we're doing this. I wish this was a YouTube video because there it's it's mind-boggling. The stuff that's that's here is a very large red dragon there too. So uh, uh, that that would be colossal. The col- oh, I'm soon. Yes, uh, here's my. Well, I, I I'm removing a nerd corner a uh, corner from my nerd guard here now. So <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, uh, and I, I think if you were to read the de- definition of the polygamerous, it would read something to the effect of more games than they will ever play on their bookshelf. But, um, did, did you find, did you find enjoyment more in the reading of the, the, the worlds or did you find more enjoyment in the reading of the rules? Why did you, what did you, what escapism did you have in owning those games? So it, I love every aspect of it. I love, I, I love the art of role-playing games. I love the mechanics. I love the, the lore of the various worlds. I like looking at the characters. I like looking at the monsters. There is nothing about role-playing games that I, I mm-hmm. don't like. Mm-hmm. It, it hits, you know, a love of art, a love of storytelling, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. love of characterization, a love of maps. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if you look around, I'm, I might have a fascination with maps. The, the Spinward Marches yes. poster is behind you. I, uh, the World of Greyhawk is the behind you. The World of Greyhawk, you. yes. Yes, I they uh, to to talk about the art. Uh, I, I to me, art was a big draw in as well of of seeing the images on the on the uh, the covers and things like that. Uh, I remember a um, an issue of Dragon Magazine of of the the cover art was the Vanquished Cavalier. It was a skeleton just sort of sitting in the oh, forest yeah, with an classic. with an arrow yeah, in his yeah. chest. I, I, to me, that is one of the more visceral examples of, of storytelling outside the bounds of the frame, you know, that, that this, the story outside of the story that you don't see and, and telling that story, um, in, in games, can you think of, a? do you have a favorite artist or can you think of an image that really comes so, to mind? So 
my all-time favorite piece of D&D art. If you look in the Expedition to Barrier Peaks, mm-hmm. uh, I think, like the, the splash page, I think once you, when you get in, the party of adventurers is walking away in the distance, and there's an intellect devourer in the upper right-hand corner, mm-hmm. like lurking around the corner. Mm-hmm. And what looks like the paladin that's in the back of the party has his head turned just a little bit like he may have heard something. <laughs> and it, it's, I look at that, and one, I always love Jeff D's art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very comic booky. You know, he did villains and vigil, vigil Annie's too. Okay. So, uh, but the thing I loved about that piece of art is I looked at it and it's like, these guys have played D and D. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just great art. It was like, here's some great art mm-hmm. by people that understand what we're doing when we sit down at the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And those are the pictures uh, that r- I love. Uh, the classic Errol Otis paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fafford and Grey Mouser mm-hmm. artwork in Deities and Demigods. And the Cthulhu myth, you know, just there's all kinds of great art scattered throughout the game. And then on up to... Uh, the Larry Elmore, Clyde Caldwell, mm-hmm. Keith Parkinson mm-hmm. era. Uh, what what are they like? The Holy Trinity of Dragonlance. That, I that think. are <laughs> responsible for the anatomy lessons of many a young boys. Yes, that's as right. They that's up. right. So, <laughs> uh, th- my very first dragon magazine was number fifty eight. Okay. And on the cover, there's a gnome riding some giant toad or reptile thing i think i've seen and a that very one. lovely lady beside him mm-hmm. it's like i saw that and i'm like whoa what is this mm-hmm. and the the thing that the impact that dragon magazine had on me is i looked and i read the letters and stuff and i was like wait there, there's more than eight of us that play this game <laughs> And so I would look for like, you know, I'm that nerd that was looking to see what the circulation numbers of the magazine were. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy cow, you know, there are like 300,000 people that buy this magazine or or whatever it was at the time. Sure. And so I felt like I had discovered a community and and I I read through it. And uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, Mm -hmm. that community would become what is probably the most important part of gaming to me or or the longest lasting part or uh, the part that keeps me unable to even let go of it. Mm -hmm. Now, when did you find yourself, that was when you became aware of the larger community or more or less, when did you find yourself beginning to participate more in that larger community? So, like I said, uh, like a sophomore in high school, mm-hmm. we started pulling the group, the two groups together, some some crisscross, uh, cross-pollination of the groups. And, you know, looking back, all through my life, I was always the person that if I found someone that I thought it would appeal to them, I would try to reel them in. Mm-hmm. So I was always trying to bring new people into the game. So I didn't go out and find D&D players. I tried to create them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and like I said, a lot of them never went on to buy books, but they would show up and play the game. They would have a good time. Mm -hmm. They would have good memories of it, uh, as far as I recall. (laughs) You hope? So it's like I was... I I think I took the community that I was involved in... Mm -hmm. And shoehorned some D&D into it. You know, it was really much later uh, because, you know, I wasn't really much of a social butterfly Mm -hmm. that. uh, So can we jump up to 2006 now? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so So, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The part that you feel is important. Well, uh, you know, I, I feel that's when. Your world got brighter, but yeah. uh, yes. It's <laughs> so uh, talking to a mutual friend, uh, I remember, uh, well, they w- weren't a mutual friend at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were talking about uh, someone they played with that they, they weren't necessarily fond of. And I was like, 
well, get someone else. Because I've always just been one. I never mm-hmm. remember having someone at my gaming table that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said to me, well, it's a warm body. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, you can't find more people. And, and that's when I realized somehow over the years, I've always been able to like scrape people together to play. Mm-hmm. And I, it never dawned on me at the time how many people there were that bought the books and sat at home and never had anyone to play with. And I was like, well, that, that's kind of sad. <laughs> and It is. It is. Uh, and uh, I had a little inspiration at the time. I know like online dating, like eHarmony mm. was a thing and mm-hmm. you would see commercials for it. And I was like, I need to start like geek harmony. <laughs> and that's the, the, so I started this project in my head. I was like, I'll call it geek harmony. And it's mm-hmm. like, not really, but I'll call it that for now. And then I thought, well, what would it be? And I, I tried to figure out a way to get gamers together. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, maybe I can do something. And, and at the time, Yahoo groups were a thing. Yeah, back that, when that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those couple years that Yahoo groups were a thing, uh, I started a Yahoo group, mm-hmm. and I agonized over the name, and I looked at other Yahoo groups, and uh, I settled on the Southwestern Ohio Gathering of Gamers, mm-hmm. SOG mm-hmm. is what we all ended up calling it, October 18th, 2006. That's all right. And I think yeah. you were like, the third or fourth person to join. And to this day, I don't remember how I found that. I don't know if... So let me tell you what I did. Okay. So Did you actually go back and look at all the posts? Is it still there? I I just pulled it up and looked at it a little bit ago. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I don't know how many of the posts you can read. So I found other places. You know, there was several little Yahoo groups. Mm -hmm. You know... 15 people here, 20 people here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to like bring like everybody together. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were some websites dedicated to finding gamersinyourarea.com or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I took the address to the Yahoo group and I went to the, every list of gamers I could find (laughs) that were regional and I sent them invites to the Yahoo group. So if you were on any web, any of the other Yahoo groups, if you were on, I'm uh, trying to think. Maybe I started me, a game. Maybe I started a Yahoo group at the time. I don't remember. I yeah. So I just scoured every one of those groups, and uh-huh. I would go through the list and send invites <laughs> to everyone on the list. Uh, and most of those groups, you know, had. A dozen people or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how many people have dropped out mm-hmm. since Yahoo. Uh, there's still like over 350 members listed. Wow. So, and I know in our heyday, we were getting 250 messages a month or mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I used to challenge, you know, you, you would say that the, the count post is dropping today. And I'd say, oh, watch this. Yeah. I, 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 have, <laughs> I have a controversial subject. <laughs> And it wasn't that difficult. All you'd have to do is get on there and say, I prefer hack and slash. And oh my <laughs> Lord, it would just blow up. So, <laughs> And it almost always stayed positive. Mm-hmm. Except remember the guy that called us paladins on our high horses? Yes, I remember but that. I, I, I can't even for the life of me think of why, you know, it he, was, he even called us that. It's not like we were like being squeaky clean. Sure. I think we're just trying to steer people in a positive mm-hmm. gaming mentality where you actually work together and mm-hmm. and I don't think he liked that. <laughs> but I, so here's what I want your listeners to know. Uh so I moderated the Yahoo group mm-hmm. for uh probably a couple years. There is no user I had to block messages from more than you. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, okay. That hurts. And I, and I, I think I, I do remember that. Yes. Now, now I mean, I, they, I wasn't being vile, was I? No, I don't know. No. It was me saying, that's going to cause a crap storm 
you know, I, no. yes, yes, it, I, it, I, I can see that. Yes, and maybe I, it's because we had met and we knew each other and we talked mm-hmm, to each other every mm-hmm. day that I wasn't afraid to say, "You're not gonna, you're not gonna start that." <laughs> That's probably very true. And and you know, the, it, I, I, people who have been on the on the uh, Tales of a Middle Age Gamer uh, Facebook page know that I will get embroiled in a conversation easily. You know that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't bring up a lot of rules arguments all that often, but um, but one thing that I will do is I will defend anything, even if I don't play it, don't like it, don't prefer right. it. I will get in there and defend it. Uh, j- just today, as a matter of fact, I was looking at a conversation. Uh, somebody was talking about um, the attacks of opportunity mm-hmm. in D&D and, and how, how terrible of an idea that is compared to their preferred system, which I won't bring up because... I like it too, but you know, I, I said, well, but in the context of you know, I, I'm I'm not a huge D and D fan. I'm not one that that will tout the mechanics of it to my dying day or anything like that. But I see the value in a lot of the mechanics that they have, and I I I, I lowered myself. No, I'm just kidding. To defend the to defend those rules, you know, and in, in the context that they were, that I think that they're strong and so on and so forth. So, um, so but I but yeah, I can absolutely. See why you would have so, blocked me a couple of times. <laughs> have you tried fate? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, but yes. Uh, okay. So you you've you started this community. You you started this community online, and um, um, and one of the more interesting things that happened, at least that involved me, and that's where I want to draw the conversation. Oh, the, no, I, the uh, important part of the, the conversation part of the con- is I remember w- this mutual friend that y- you were speaking of earlier that um, was looking for other players. Although I don't, I don't think you finished that line of thought. So continue with that, and then I'll circle back around to what I was... Oh, well, well it was my discussion with him that, mm-hmm. that, that made me think we need to... Yeah, I, that I wanted to do something to help people find gamers that like mm-hmm. the same stuff as them. So they didn't have to be in that group where it's like you had the one person that always wanted to be the chaotic, neutral <laughs> barbarian that slit <laughs> the throats of uh, sleeping guards. Uh, or the other party members when they... Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. And then, the, the you know, you have the thespian of the group. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, you know, the person that is obsessed with the rules. It, it's like, you know, if if you didn't like playing with any of those kinds of people, you know, let's make it so that you can find the people that you do like to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I thought about it, and I thought about different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of me is like, do I want to make it so that, you know, you have to be uh, uh, okayed by the group to even get in? And then I, mm-hmm. then I threw all that away and I said, no, everybody mm-hmm. deserves a chance to play the game that they like to play the way that they like to play it. Mm-hmm. So that was my new approach. Uh, the whole no gamer left behind motto. Uh, yes. Uh, and it's like everybody should get a chance to play games the way that they like to play games. Mm-hmm. So they need to find the people. So I wanted them to help find the people that they could play the way they like to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I set out to do. And uh, so I know several groups of players popped up that met each other because of the Yahoo group. Uh, I, I then started uh, meetup groups. Mm-hmm. In Dayton, a, a group that grew to over a thousand people, I think, before it finally maybe imploded yeah. last yeah. year. I, I haven't had anything to do with it for years. Uh, <laughs> so the implosion was not your fault, is what you're <laughs> Maybe it was my fault for leaving. Well, I don't yeah. know. Uh, but then uh, during that, I also started an additional meetup group mm-hmm. in uh, you know the east side of Cincinnati. And just branched out from there, and I, I think it might be over a thousand people now. I'd, I'd have to look. Uh, and then I started uh, Gateway Games and more, mm-hmm. and now I've uh, 
for some reason started doing this podcast stuff. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, what what inspires yeah. someone to start their I own podcast? I don't. I'm questioning that. Okay. The the, uh, uh, the no gamer left behind concept. I, I that's something that you've injected very deeply into the store and. Uh, I know that the store itself sort of has a reputation for being a haven for grognards, or, or at least, well, let me let me rephrase that: a, a haven for older style games, the 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 retro clones and the yeah yeah. Like so that. so like my retro D and D league, mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't a table full of grognards; mm-hmm. it was a table full of teenagers. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I've helped, you know helped being a a loose term there like young people discover the joys of uh older games to give them that context yeah yeah but then again i introduce you know older players to the new games as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. And, and get them involved in fact my i run a first edition ad and d group mm-hmm. every other saturday night uh remotely now uh and we've decided to play some fifth edition, and at least three of the players have never played, I think, anything later than first edition wow. AD&D. Maybe they dabbled in some second edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've played some other games like Dungeon Crawl Classics mm-hmm. and stuff maybe, but not... But all of that older style of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be their first fifth edition D&D game, mm-hmm. some of them. So it's not just, uh, you know, old people playing old games and sure. young people playing young young games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a mix, and it's actually been successful. When we play-tested, like, Mutant Crawl Classics here in the store, uh, we had a 10-year-old all the way up to a baby boomer mm-hmm. uh, in the group. So... T- uh, tell me a little bit more about that retro D and D league because I, I thought that was a neat thing that you did with that. So I, I think when they first announced D and D Next, remember it was D and D Next? The, yes, the name, the the kitschy hip name that they were giving. Yeah, the we're never, edition. we aren't going to give editions numbers anymore. Uh, and, backtrack on that one. Yeah, and, and then they, and they talked about wanting to appeal to all the generations of gamers, and and they were going to be doing public playtesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a great way to help it all come together, you know, by having a group of players in the store play through every edition of D&D mm-hmm. so that they better understood it. Uh, so, And they had played 3rd uh, and 3.5 and Pathfinder and 4th edition. A lot of them had. So we went back to original white box D&D and we'd play that for a few weeks, and then I'd add, like, the Greyhawk supplement to it, and then I'd add the Blackmore supplement, and then the Eldritch Wizardry. So for several months, we played every Saturday for, like, two hours, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just original D&D. And then we jumped up to basic, and we played some expert, and, and we ran through some classic adventures. The original group, we played through the Temple of the Frog, which was the first published D&D adventure. And then we ended up playing through the Keep on the Borderlands. Uh, and then we played some first edition AD&D. I think we played through like Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something else before that too that escapes me. Uh, and then we played, when we got to second edition, I actually went through like uh, a Dark Sun adventure, a wow. Spelljammer adventure. Yeah. Uh, a Forgotten Realms adventure, a so you weren't adventure. just doing the systems; you were doing the settings as well. Yeah, because in a way, Second Edition D and D Planescape and Second Edition D and D Spelljammer mm-hmm. and Second Edition D and D Forgotten Realms were more different than uh, potentially three games that I have beside each other on the shelf over there right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was important. So, and then whenever any 5th edition D&D, oh, D&D Next playtest stuff would come <laughs> out, we would play that. Yeah. And uh, we did that for two years. Wow. And it actually got a little bit of national notice. Did I it think. really? 
Uh, so I got interviewed for Guy Gax magazine for yeah, it, but it yeah. never ended up in the magazine. Okay. That's how I ended up meeting uh, Jim Wampler mm-hmm. and Tim Cask. Mm-hmm. And this is the ni- name drop portion of our show. <laughs> and they come to the store every now and then. Yeah. So. And so, and it was delightful. And, and uh, at least three of my regular players weren't even old enough to drive yet. Which is interesting now, eight years later, nine years later, to run into those guys that are now like a foot taller than me. <laughs> you know. Now, did did you find did you find a gravitation towards a certain edition based on age, or did they all have did the, did their opinions of the different systems or different editions surprise you? They all seemed to enjoy every single one of them. And each each system had its quirks that they they had fun with. Uh, you know, in the older editions, they just rolled with the fact that they died every other week, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know, but which in your last episode of of, of D fifty Shades of D and D, yeah, I I, I found uh, that conversation that you had about the lethality of D and D in fifth yeah. edition. I, th- I found that very interesting because I know. If if you listen to my first episode, you, you'll you'll know uh, that that was something I always gravitated towards was a much more literal approach to damage and combat. Right. And you know, this, the subject of conversation that you and I have quite often is the appropriateness of, of rules. You know, not necessarily right. whether or not the rules are good or bad, but how appropriate they are right. in a given situation. And I think that's being realistic about how we look back on them. I think is is interesting. That's why I, that D and D league really was uh, was alluring to me because of that. Because it it took a more objective look at the different editions and, and the fact that you did bring different age groups into that. I think right. is is useful in that. You know? Right. Um, I, I had always thought about doing the only the only game system that I can say I am a legacy player of is is Star Wars of the various editions I've played. I, I played and run games in each edition since the the, the first one with, from West End Games. So I I always thought that was a neat idea that I would love to go back and do with Star Wars of so do each of those editions. That that's um, an extra sub level of nerd. Is is that yeah? Go, that, that's a little further <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Is that? Um, but yeah, uh, the, maybe more socially acceptable in some eras. <laughs> the. Uh, and it would be interesting, you know, because not only would you be playing with different uh, rule systems, but also different time periods of the setting and things like that. But I, I think it'd be neat to to go back and play with that. So that okay, so I'm going to roll it back a little bit, 2006, uh, because I still haven't gotten to me yet in that conversation. Oh yeah, so, that's right. Uh, because I do remember what uh, what drew me to what got me attached to that project uh, was. I was looking for someone to play in, uh, looking for people to play in a Star Wars campaign. Uh, and I think Don, our mutual friend, was was also looking for, whether or not he was specifically looking for Star Wars. Do we have to pay him for that name? We job? might have to. Okay. I don't know. Um, maybe. I'll buy him a cup of coffee or something. I don't know. That should be all his name is worth, right? Is a, is a cup of coffee. <laughs> but Starbucks coffee, not just, oh, not, oh. not like, you know. Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, but uh, he was, I think, looking for a game, maybe not specifically Star Wars, but him being as big of a Star Wars fan as I am, I think he, uh, that's what uh, drew him into the conversation. I think he, maybe he brought you along for safety purposes. I don't know. Well, so (laughs) uh, you guys were talking on the SOG Yahoo page, Mm -hmm. and I kind of said, I was talking to Don, who I've known for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, you know, I started this for this. Mm -hmm. I should probably show up too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, were we the? Was this the first group that you remember forming out of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't Star Wars yet, was it? Uh, Didn't we get together and play? I know, I know we played some mutants and masterminds. That was later on. Was that later? Yeah, on? I'm pretty sure. I'm almost positive that the first game because was this D twenty Star Wars. It was D twenty Star okay. Wars, and it was because I I I remember 
there there were two editions, three editions really of the D20 version. There was the OCR, which is the original core rule book, which was released around 99, 2000, somewhere in there. And then I think it was shortly after that when they did the 3.5 switchover, when Wizards, Wizards of the Coast right. switched over to 3.5, they came out with what they called the revised core rule book, which incorporated a lot of the 3.5 aspects into it. Right. And the, I recall showing when, when you guys arrived at the game, you know, we were we were going to do this as the the revised core rules, and you guys showed up to the game with the original core rules. Oh, right. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, oh my gosh, what kind of noobs have I got myself involved? <laughs> with? But no, uh, but you guys had updated properly, I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, and and it didn't take much time to kind of fix things up and get things on the rules, the system that we were using. They were different enough that it would have caused some grief, but. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it, what amazed me about that was that we ba- I barely had a description. You know, it was, it was one of those things, we'll meet you at this store. I'll have an orange rose on my lapel or something like that. I, I, I don't recall... I, I, I don't recall what, uh, what descriptions you guys gave of yourselves, but we, we met and we sat down and within minutes we were playing. And this, right. was, this was amazing to me, you know, that, that it was probably the first time that I had gone into a group completely blind, hadn't known anybody prior to, you know, hadn't had any conversations with them prior to actually sitting down. And there we were. It was quick. It was, it was easy to do, you know. That was the first time... I ever played a role-playing game in a game store. Really? Yeah. I think it might have been the second time for myself, but I didn't enjoy... Seems like an entirely different conversation, doesn't it? I I didn't enjoy the first time that I played in the store because it just felt so... I mean, not to beat the metaphor to death, but I, you felt naked. You felt out mm-hmm. in the open with it. You know, for so many years we had kind of been, oh, look at those nerds over there. And then, but I think, you know, by the end of it, I was a little more comfortable, you know, uh, but, uh, uh, but that's, I didn't know that. That's interesting. That was the, yeah. yeah. I, um, so I would go into game stores and I would see uh, people playing in the store being loud and boisterous mm-hmm. and arguing over rules and it, it didn't seem as fun as when I was at home playing with my friends. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I want any part of that. <laughs> now, now look what I do. Now, and, and, yeah, now that's all you do. I, I, it's, it's funny. That reminds me of a story of, of you. I, I met, this was after a few years that we had been playing together. And we met um, in a, uh, around a local store just to hang out for a day. I don't even think we were planning on playing games that day, but the, this was the, the store in Fairborn that, you know, there are a lot of other stores along that strip, which if you've never, if, to, to the listeners out there, if you've never been to Fairborn, Ohio in, in around Halloween, you are missing out. It, it, it's an experience to, to say the least. But uh, one of the people that were, we were there in the group was a photography buff. And I remember going into a store and hearing them speak to the owner of the store or the, the proprietor of the store, what have you, and, and speaking almost in tongues about the technology and, and, and details of the, of, of, of the cameras and, and the, the hobby and things like that. And, think, and I remember we walked out and I said, isn't it amazing that people can, wouldn't you just love to be in a, in, a, in a situation like that where you can speak in a completely different language and nobody else knows what you're talking about? And you just looked over at me and blinked a few times and Dude, what do what you with the store, the gaming store that we were just in? That's I exactly know. what we were doing, know. you know. Uh, but you know, from the outside looking in, it's just it looks so bizarre and so interesting. Um, but yeah, I I, 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 to me, the 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 interesting part of your story is how you that doesn't involve me. The is how you did bring that idea of community to to the store, and 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 I I'm. I hear so many people who are attached to the store. I ran into, I'll, I'll do a little name dropping, even though it is a name you've already dropped. I did run into Jim Wampler at Gen Con a few years back. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, he wouldn't know me from Adam. I, know, I, I, I don't think I've ever even seen him here in the store, but I had friended him on Facebook just because of uh, he was friends with you. So That's because you don't come here enough. I, well, that's, it's an hour <laughs> drive, man. That's, that's a lot. Um, and I, um, 
I, I walked up to him at Gen Con and I said, hey, you know, I, we've got a mutual friend. You know, I, I, I'm, I've known Ton for a few years and I was there when he was kind of gearing up the store and, and uh, he kind of looks at me like, I feel like I should know you, but I don't. And he felt kind of bad that he didn't know who I was. And I, and I had to put his mind at ease and say, no, I mean, I'm just a random person. On, to you, I'm just a random person on Facebook. <laughs> don't worry, you don't know who I am. But we started talking about this store and he was, he was very impressed with how, um, first of all, how quickly you opened it and how, well, maybe not quickly you opened it, but how quickly you had a community surrounding it. Because one of the things that I noticed you did was online. You did sort of build up this, you took that online community you had built that those sort of scattered groups that you had seeded in the, the, um, uh, in the Dayton or the, the Dayton Cincinnati area. And, primed them to be a part of your store community. And I think that I feel like that helped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you, when it was you all part of my master it. plan. Ex- yeah. And, and he, he was impressed with that. I was impressed with that. And I, I think that that's held true to you held that community true. I think, uh, even though, again, I haven't been here in quite a while, but um, hopefully that'll change. Uh, but, a, um, I got a gateway games factoid for you. Okay, go. Uh, your son, Ben, was the first player to ever have his character killed in this store, and you're the one that killed him. I'm the one that killed him. Hey, he was being impulsive. His <laughs> Wookiee leapt into a room full of battle droids, and I think there comes a time at which every parent has to be the, you know, teach him a lesson. I don't know. He probably has a very different memory of it. But <laughs> but he, he's also known in the store as Ben the Spider Slayer, because a number of years later, he... Uh, 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 Mark, I think is his name. He ran a, a, a Pathfinder game for kids that he participated oh, in. Oh, yeah, and, and yeah. He, he, he slayed, a, slew, slew a spider, uh, and a giant spider, and, and became known as Ben the Spider Slayer. So Nice. Yeah. He, uh, he's probably got more of a connection to the story here than I do. I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of embarrassing. Um, but so, yeah, what, what you said earlier, there's so much of this game that we... Are the games that we're involved in is is about the community and I the 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 fact that you cater to the older gamers as well as the younger gamers I think is neat I, I and I've I've learned a lot about the gaming industry from you uh, I you know before I met you I didn't even know I I had never heard the name Guy Gax I didn't know who he was didn't have any idea you know you brought him up in one of the first sessions that we were playing together you mentioned Gary Guy Gax not in a way that oh well I know him because I don't think you've had yeah, met him no, no. but uh, but it was it was just you know in talking about the, the history of the games and, and where, uh, and who wrote them. And I never thought to think about who wrote the games to me. That was just, well, it was from West end games or it was from TSR. I never thought of the individuals who wrote them. And then you brought up the name Gary Gygax and I just sort of smiled and nodded. And it's like, yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know who that, I don't know who that is, but for years I never got involved in that kind of thing. And I, that's part of what I, I think that's part of what you bring to the groups that you, play with so not only am i interested in like who wrote the games mm-hmm. uh, i like to dig back into the games that gave them the ideas to write the games mm-hmm. so you can I, I feel like you can have a just a, a like almost a full understanding of things if you see where they came from mm-hmm. because even though a lot of things in D&D are just common now, they're common in video games and stuff. Right. In the er- early days, uh, when armor class was descending and you're trying to figure out what hit points are, mm-hmm. if you go back to the games that inspired that sort of thing, uh, you can be like, oh, 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 I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like I-, I think going back and looking at first edition AD&D or original D and D can help you wrap your brain around fifth edition, uh, fifth edition right. and uh, reading the novels that have inspired the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of that it, it all helps. It, it gives you a better understanding. Do you have to have some kind of guru understanding of the game to be awesome at it or to enjoy the heck out of it? No. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, it might cause you more problems <laughs> than it's worth sometimes. <laughs> it makes you overthink things. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's like. But I, uh, I just love 
not just the history of the rules, mm -hmm. but the history of the industry. Uh, and it all just absolutely fascinates me. But when, when I'm interested in stuff, I, I, I get a little overboard and obsessed <laughs> with things. As Again, I, I don't know what that's As like. I look to my right at the... <laughs> the yeah. scattering of piles and piles. Hero yeah. clicks. I mean, who does that anymore, right? Yeah. Probably a lot of people, but... Well, Todd, thank you very, very much. I appreciate so much being a part of this first interview episode. Um, uh, there, there's more that I would love to talk to you about. I've been taking down notes since we've been talking and uh, all kinds of tangents that we could get off on. But um, You have to save something for the sequel. Yes. This is yes. like a trilogy, right? Well, sure. It is now. It's got to be a trilogy. It's gonna, well, we're going to plan nine episodes, really, around this and then cut it down to three, and then we're going to come out with the other three and everybody's going to hate them. And then the following three and everybody's going to hate them even more. So, but they'll make them appreciate the, the second batch of three. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, thank you again. And, um, thanks we'll, for uh, inviting me. Uh, uh, of course. Uh, and thank you for sharing your toys with me and your technology. And I will be using that to enhance future episodes, hopefully. So we'll sign off on the, uh, first interview episode of tales of the middle age gamer podcast. And We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Hello. I'm not open today <laughs> because of Corona. <laughs> how many? I'm how many? Corona rings? closed.